Blog Talk Radio. Hello listeners, welcome to another internet broadcast of The Unexplained World with your host, Edward Chanahan, a paranormal spiritual observer, psychic reader, and channeler. Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. Mercedes, an accomplished paranormal investigator, spiritual feeler, and solitary practitioner. The Unexplained World is a location where the line between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Hello listeners, welcome to the September 7th broadcast of the Unexplained World with myself, Ed, Annette. Hello, are you there? I'm here, Ed. How are you tonight? How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing oh, good. Fine, I'm fine, doing fine. good. Okay. And we have Mercedes out there, little horse Mercedes. Horse, as far as their voice goes. Hello, Mercedes. You there? Hello, everybody. How is everybody? Yeah. Oh, you sound like you're miserable. <laughs> ah, she she pulled a she pulled a, a net party animal night. <laughs> oh, it gets my name now, does it? All right. <laughs> Good for you, Mercedes. Go, girl. Oh, <laughs> uh, before we get into the show, I would like to thank. So would Annette and Mercedes, those at Blog Talk Radio, for making us feature hosts um, on, you know, on Blog Talk Radio. And um, I'd like to thank Blog Talk, and I'd like to thank the friends that have, the people that have made us friends, and the people that have made our show listed us as favorites. So um, I'd like to thank them also tonight. So, uh, it's really cool. I went to check that out, you know, and you go you go on the home page and there we are, second from the left on the top. I'm just like, Oh, we're so famous <laughs> It's cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was Blog Talk is very is very smart. Hey, they know who's good, you know. What can I tell you? <laughs> and that's uh, that I didn't I had enough. Yes, they're, oh, they're very smart. <laughs> okay. Yes, they are. Uh, tonight, our ghost, our ghost, our guest is Mr. John Kelly, and uh, Mr. Kelly. Let me uh, tap on here. Uh, John Kelly. He's, he's uh, associated with hearing the secret messages hidden in your voice. John Kelly is the world's most sought-after practitioner in the field of secret backwards messages. Hello, John. You there? I sure am, Ed. Great to be with you. Thank you very much for coming on tonight. And um, John, the, I listened to one of your broadcasts earlier today, and it was very interesting. Would you like to explain to the listeners what you actually do? I've listened to speech recordings played in reverse to detect unconscious communications. You know, people are used to the idea that uh, with forward speech, there's some muscular control that we we exhibit when we talk, we have some control over our speech, but we know that sometimes people have unconscious slips in their speech, and they're called Freudian slips. Uh, what I'm studying is one dimension beyond a Freudian slip because it's involuntarily encoded in reverse. So the unconscious is communicating through codes, and we can detect the coded messages when we reverse the speech signal. I listen to speech recordings in reverse to, to hear the unconscious communicate about the past, present and the future. It's a fascinating uh, way of looking into the mirror to uh, to hear secrets uh, and information that may not otherwise be accessible. Now, how long has this practice been going on? Let me ask you that. As far, not, been, not only you, but you know, as far as a regular science, I guess you would call it, wouldn't you? Well, access to these kinds of uh, this kind of information, I guess, uh, we in the modern era. Uh, as far back in time as, as when edit decks, audio edit decks were available that uh, would play audio both forwards and backwards. So I think we can look at uh, reel-to-reel tape. It's uh, many decades we could go back uh, when people had access to this kind of audio and could make those kinds of observations. But my story uh, got involved in the mid-90s, uh, listening to Art Bell and David Oates, who had pioneered uh, his studies of reverse speech in Australia in the 80s. 
and uh, popularized it in North America in the mid-90s where I heard about it. I went to study with Oates in uh, San Diego County, and that was about 10 years ago. So I, I started a practice after that time myself and, and did my own research and using my own protocols. Uh, so a 10-year path for me, but it's been available for multiple decades, uh, this idea of listening to backwards audio, but its relative is is, is uh, the practice of mirror gazing or scrying, which is archaic. It goes back in time to people like Nostradamus. It goes back to the early Greeks. It's the magic mirror of Western mythology. Uh, it's even found in uh, Tantra Yoga, great masters who could... Uh, visualize the future in a mirror in India. So this this archetype of the mirror as a as a portal to to the mysteries of the unknown is is ancient and it's it's present incarnation in, in our high high technology society is is using a computer to digitally mirror a speech signal to hear an unconscious message. I listened to your your like I said, I listened to one of your shows. I listened to the one that had Evil Knievel on it. And some of the stuff on there stands out pretty strong, especially the one about the, uh, I think it was the son that murdered his, murdered his mother, okay? And uh, it came out very, very legible, I guess you could say, you know, as far as hearing. Um, I was very impressed. I was very impressed. And do you, now you do this, you've been, what, 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 and that, jump in here because you have questions also. Yeah, um, I, I guess I'm, I'm excited to hear about the Freudian slip thing because I'm probably going to be easy to read <laughs> because I do that all the time and wonder what the heck is going on with my head. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess I'm very curious to kind of see it in action or maybe if you could give us some examples of the kinds of things that come out when you perform, when you read people backwards. Mm-hmm. Do you have... Do you have anything that I know you don't have any recordings because there wasn't I don't have anything here, but do you have anything that you could some people we would know and you know uh the top of your mind some of the stuff that came out when you did the back the backwards record you know listening yeah I have a lot of audio with me so let's let's dig into some of the okay. samples and give you a feeling for some of the the stories and the news that I've covered using this method I also uh, use this method as a, as a practitioner to help individuals access unconscious material. But here, here are stories from the news, famous speakers, including a Hollywood murder mystery, Bonnie Lee Bakley, who was Robert Blake's deceased wife. Right. Found with, uh, dead of a gunshot wound to the head in the front seat of Blake's truck. They were out, at a restaurant in the Los Angeles area. She used to tape her telephone calls to her friends when she was talking on the telephone. And here's one of those telephone tapes from Bonnie Lee Bakley. But the only thing is, the family are going to be here until, like, February, and then I'm leaving, you know, so I hope it's... Oh, all. I think you'll come before that. You better, yeah. yeah. So it sounds pretty straightforward. Uh, there's no confusion that she's just uh, having a friendly discussion. But uh, played in reverse, it sounds like something quite different. In fact, I think she had premonitions of her own demise. I can hear Bonnie Lee say the words, I know he'll murder me. Oh my goodness! I heard that. See what I see? What I said, Annette? It comes out very, you know, very, very good. audible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just was, you know, so curious to hear a piece because it was hard for me to understand how you could, you know, how you get that out of that. But wow, <laughs> amazing. It's as if there's another stream of communication that we can tap into and that we are equipped as listeners to interpret the messages. It's not that they're that inaccessible. Someone who has basic language comprehension skills, we can hear a message collectively. And that's a very powerful thing to say that the unconscious is sharing information. Uh, in this case, the information that was being shared was a premonition about her demise. We know that she didn't pass away by sickness, suicide, old age, um, that shot to the head was murder, so she's actually just giving a friend's description of a methodology, a criminal method uh, that ended her life. Uh, so that's very uh, well. That's a wealth of information uh, hidden in an unexpected place, and it's that's not the only time where I found a great amount of information listening to people's speech backwards. President Bush's inaugural address back in January of 2001 
was very revealing as well. And I have that audio clip. Let's listen to that together. Oh, yes. <clears throat> and to all nations, we will speak for the values that gave our nation birth. Played in reverse, I could hear the words, Mission of Baghdad. Mission of Baghdad. I uh, just had a little cut off there at the end. We can hear the words Mission of Baghdad. I'll just play that last part. <clears throat> wow. John, how much, how much footage do you have to review before you find something? Or does it pop out to you because you've done these things so long? Well, I have a pretty good editorial instinct, so my ability to find stories and uh, find meaningful backwards content is is fairly strong. Uh, I've, I've produced like a weekly feature, you know, with half a dozen stories covered per week. Uh, so you'd imagine that unless uh, either I was going through thousands of hours of audio or I had a terrific editorial skill for picking the stories and picking the segments that would be rich, um, that's that's how it's worked out. Uh, it's, it's just a skill that I've developed to a high level, and I have the ability to um, to to identify the stories as an editor I, to identify the stories that will be rich in, in material, uh, and that's how it's worked out. I mean, not everybody's implementation of this protocol is as successful, but um, it's interesting to observe. My, I have a, a wealth of information in my catalog from many diverse speakers, many diverse stories. And uh, as well, m many many predicted many stories that I reported predicted news events that would happen later. Even if we look at the uh, the inaugural address, the second speaker after the president was Pastor Kirby Caldwell. He mm -hmm. gave a benediction, and in the benediction was also an interesting message. Here's what he had to say: Deliver us from these and all other evils, and cast our sin into your sea of forgetfulness. Played in reverse, I could hear the pastor say the words, missile attack. Missile attack. Missile attack. Missile attack. So the, the, the combined uh, information from President Bush and Pastor Kirby Caldwell told me about a missile attack and a mission of Baghdad, which ultimately described the shock and awe strikes and inaugurated the Iraq War two years after the inauguration. And so I had that information, a geopolitical, uh, targeted, uh, I had a location, I had a military methodology. I knew about the shock and awe strikes in Baghdad two years before they happened by listening to the speech recordings in reverse. Uh, you know, on a, on a, on a even more forensic level, a very interesting speaker that uh, was in my, uh, in my timeline of you know, studies when I was reporting, uh, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer from Waco, Texas, sorry, Waco, Texas, uh, Wichita, Kansas, also uh, was a er very interesting speaker to listen to in reverse. He was uh, arrested by police on suspicion and held in county jail. And he gave a telephone interview from the jail talking about uh, bureaucratic procedure and red tape leading up to his, his court appearance. Here is mm -hmm. uh, Dennis Rader talking forwards. So now that party is going to be subpoenaed in or has been subpoenaed in, just talking about red tape. Play backwards, though, a very interesting message. I could hear Dennis Rader say the words, the demons influence that guy. And why this me message was particularly interesting to me was because the, the real BTK, who was known to police as a, the writer of letters, he used to write letters to the police and, and the journalists taunting them in the 70s, saying, you'll never catch me. He gave away details of the crimes. That's how the police knew the letters were authentic. But one of the key statements he would make repeatedly was that he felt that he was a person who was possessed by a demon. So the parallelism in Raider's message with the uh, vocabulary of the known killer was striking to me and helped me to ID uh, Raider as the killer. And in fact, I reported that story 15 minutes before he confessed on Wichita Morning Radio. Here, here are uh, Raider's statements uh, from two weeks later after he confessed to the BTK killings. He says himself, I just know it's a dark side of me that it controls me. I, I personally think it's a Christian. I actually think it's a demon. 
he thinks a demon is possessing him and influencing his behavior. He's saying that directly. It's the speaker validating the contents of his own backwards message. This is what typically will happen in uh, a private individual session where the speaker will validate the information revealed uh, when their speech is played in reverse. Here, in a, a major newsmaker is, is doing the same thing. He's disclosing information first in reverse and verifying it afterwards, forwards. There's no doubt in my mind the validity of the uh, and the value of that information when it was detected as a message because the speaker himself has verified that information quite clearly, saying in this case that he feels like he is possessed by a demon or he feels like his behavior is influenced by some kind of demonic uh, energy. The demons influence that guy is exactly what the message said. Hmm. Is, is there, besides what you do in private practice, is there anything that you can technically do with, the, let's say, like the information you're able to pick up with uh, President Bush, okay, um, stuff like that? Do you just keep that to yourself, or do you make that public? Or, you know, that, what that story do you... was reported on January 26th. Um, shortly after the speech, the week after the speech was given, that story was was uh, given to the public through uh, the radio. So uh, I'm someone who's had the the um, privilege of being offered a lot of airtime over uh, a long period of time. I had access to many many shows and audiences, and I used that platform to to share and disclose information that I thought would be valuable to the public. And uh, certainly in the case of the Iraq War. It was in the face of a tremendous uh, groundswell of opposition uh, because mm-hmm. the uh, patriotic fever and the, uh, the Homeland Security, um, deep, the deep concerns that people felt, particularly uh, in the early days after 9-11 and the anthrax attacks by mail on Congress and private yeah. citizens in the United States created a tremendous uh, backswell. So it was a very hostile environment to be reporting that kind of information. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, you know, became uh, marginally dangerous for me to uh, continue to uh, make announcement against the uh, perceived interest of the U.S. government or the Pentagon's interest in controlling uh, what information does get go on air. Uh, the media is a is a funny uh, environment, is a, a fickle environment where you know, on the one hand, we have free speech, and on the other hand, we have um, we have we have secrecy. And, uh, oh no! You 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 mean Congress or the government can decide what goes on and what doesn't? <laughs> David so, Trump, so you're I, out there, Colin. <laughs> yeah. So so I so I put myself uh, you know in the crosshairs of uh, of some very hot issues by by uh, sharing this information. But I felt that in the long term it was for the public good to be able to make informed decisions to not be necessarily be caught up in the the mass hysteria of. Uh, uh, the simplification, the oversimplifications and overgeneralizations that characterized the, uh, the kinds of decision-making that led uh, to that war in Iran, a, a war that's still being fought today and people are still dying over today. Uh, I definitely thought it was it was worth the risk. And uh, yeah. the fact that I, uh, I'm still here and able to talk about it, I guess, is testimony to uh, some, some, some other people must have thought ultimately that I was doing a public service. I, I feel it's, it's a very important public service to help, uh, you know, advance society through knowledge and education and information that's the best the uh, the, the best uh, uh, use of, of the news media you know television and radio that these tools that we have access to and of course uh, the, the opposite is is also found we find that people use these outlets to communicate misinformation and disinformation and to color things in ways that uh, generate uh, distorted uh, distorted philosophies about how we should conduct ourselves not only individually but as 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 great nations. Okay, I want to at this moment. I'm going to ask you a question after I uh, tell you to give for you to give everybody your website. Okay, leave everybody know what your website is. Right People now. can find me online at www.yourinnervoice.com. That's yourinnervoice.com. It's all about the inner voice, the voice that comes from within, that describes what's happening within. It helps you to understand yourself and the world we live in. And it's Mr. John Kelly. All right. You can make this announcement now probably without no worry because nobody's been elected. Have you done this with uh, two individuals that are running for president and also the two vice presidents um, that have come about? Have you done this yet? uh, 
I, I've I've had a chance to listen to some audio, and actually, I was just listening to uh, the Republican vice president nominee uh, mm-hmm. today to, to the Republican convention. It's Sarah Palin, is that correct? The correct pronunciation. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sarah Palin. So a newcomer to to national politics, and has certainly taken the the election scene by storm. Uh, so I thought a fascinating opportunity to listen. I I played some of the audio from her uh, acceptance speech at the convention, and here's what she had to say. We followed an unlikely path to the vice presidency, and a writer observed, "We grow good people in our small towns with honesty and sincerity and dignity." Talk about uh, folks from Missouri. I, I think she's a Missouri native. Is that not correct? I believe oh, she's, that's right. Even though she's in Alaska now, yeah. You know, she's from the Midwest. And so when I play that audio in reverse, I hear I think what is a very interesting uh, characteristic message for Sarah. I hear her say the words, "We soon deserve to have a good fight with you." Okay. What kind of a fight so, do we have? Uh, and with who? Actually, hockey mom. She's a pit bull and, with a, with lipstick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's I think what that's an interesting message. It characterizes her temperament and uh, may may tell us something about her playbook. Uh, she's definitely a fighter. But. Who would the fight be with? That's the question. You know, is it going to be the Democrats? Is it going to be a, a world type of thing? You know what I'm saying? Considering, well, you know, so that's a very interesting question. I mean, that fighting temperament. I mean, what's what uh, what's what's constraining that energy? Uh, I mean, she, she, you know, it just sounds like the the uh, the pitch to battle, a fever battle, is something that excites her. It's, it's, it excites her her energy. She feels motivated. Perhaps she sees. The vice president's chair as as a platform to uh, engage in, you know, international diplomacy. I, I, I that that's really an unknown. But is she, mm-hmm. you know, does she have a fighting spirit? Is that is that characterize her psychology? Is she a hockey mom? I think you know we we see that in the message. Uh, in other words, she, her her image, her her public image, uh, so, certainly some elements of it uh, are accurately characterize her as, as a fighter. Yeah. How about McCain? Did you do him yet? Yeah, I, I did have some McCain material. I, I didn't have it loaded. I can uh, okay. I can't do, do it up. Just take me a moment here. And uh, you know, I was asked to um, do uh, a study of the candidates from a exopolitical perspective, meaning mm-hmm. they uh, trying to find dimensions of the UFO disclosure uh, uh, issue. In, in, the, in the messages of the candidates. And I did find something from J- Senator John McCain, uh, who was talking about the Phoenix Lights at a public event uh, sometime in the last year or so. Here is that audio from John McCain. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I think it's a, a, a great interest. Uh, I would point out to you that there was a case well, a couple of years ago in Arizona of some lights that were seen over Arizona. So he's he's showing that he's aware of the story of the Phoenix Lights and uh, indicating that it's something of interest to him. Played in reverse, a kind of a curious message uh, reveals him as something of an insider. I hear him say the words, that aircraft was worked on the CF secret lab. Uh, the sound quality is not uh, totally optimal with this clip, but it is compelling. The uh, the idea of a CF aerospace lab was something that I did uh, a, a brief search on. And listeners, you can you can take a search right now if you go up to Google and just do a search on the terms CF aerospace lab to see what comes up. And I think what you'll find uh, one of the first <laughs> search results is uh, Canadian Forces uh, aerospace. And we know that the Avro Aero was a was a UFO type aircraft being developed in Canada in the 1950s. Uh, the question this raises is: Canada uh, conducting secret research on behalf of the United States 
for exotic aircraft or exotic propulsion systems related to UFO engineering, backwards engineering efforts uh, outside of outside of the country you know, use, using Canadian uh, resources and infrastructure. CFSAS is the the the, uh, the acronym given to that site. SAS is a commonly used term described uh, black operate operative groups like the British SAS or the CIA zone SAS teams. Mm-hmm. So SAS as a naming convention is 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 found commonly in uh, black operations. Uh, CF Secret Lab, found in the backward speech of John McCain, points in that direction as if he has some second or third-hand knowledge about facilities where exotic aircraft uh, research is being conducted, and maybe even a facility, a lab, perhaps even a, a lab in Canada, CF. It's, it, it's quite striking, and it was not that difficult to, to research that uh, that thread. I mean, the vocabulary is there. CF Aerospace is, is, <laughs> is a known entity. Uh, is he talking about UFO information when he's talking about the, the Phoenix Lights? Is he talking about research in secret labs? I think he is. Let me ask, um, with what you've done with the candidates, just mm-hmm. your personal view, and we're not going to get into politics, so, yeah. Who would you throw the dart at if you're going to throw a dart at? Um, if I was to vote? It's, yeah. it's a very it's a very difficult question, and it you know the the, the game is changing every day uh, with uh, Sarah Palin uh, being nominated uh, unexpectedly. Uh, so it's it is absolutely very difficult uh, to make a decision. I I I. Um, <laughs> what do you feel has the so strongest passion? Okay, how's that sound as far as helping the people? Okay, who do you as far as when you ran the tapes back? Um, were you able to pick that up? Let me ask that. Who would have the strongest? I, I don't know. If, if, I, I don't know if I have any conclusive conclusive results on, on, uh-huh. on that question, which I think is an important question. But I don't think at this point I have anything conclusive to say okay. regarding that. Um, I I think that'll just even probably come out in the debates, wouldn't it? Better than anyway. Uh, it, cl- closer to the, yeah the end the end of the the cycle of of the nomination, and you know, there's a multi year long uh, saga. Getting this, yeah. getting these candidates elected. So it, it's yeah. obviously been a lot of speech, but I, I have to say that uh, you know a great deal of the things that are said in, in that process. I mean, a lot of it is just bureauc- bureaucratic uh, machine driving. It's not necessarily indicative. So as an editor, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking for the stories that will come out of the messages that will have legs that will be important and meaningful two or three years from now. It's not always easy to do that, uh, but and and I and I don't I, I can't say I have a, a firm pick on a candidate who will be excellent for the United yeah. States. It's, it's it's difficult to identify. Yeah. Okay. And that go ahead. I know you got questions. Yeah. You know, John, just moving away from the speech thing for a minute, I was very intrigued um, on your website. I saw photographs that you, I, I saw that you have them on T-shirts and that you do a couple of versions on the website. I was just very curious. I believe that you create them yourself. Is that right? Yeah, most of the photography that's featured there is I, I am the photographer. Although okay. Although it's some material with other people taking the picture, but generally I'm the photographer and I'm producing the events that are being recorded. So I think what I was seeing there, and please help me to understand, I think what I was seeing there might be orbs that you were able to mirror and enhance so we could see the, the the light and the brilliant shine. Can you tell me about how those, what those come well, from? There's there's a uh, quite a variety of visual material in my catalog, and I guess some some of the most related material to the speech studies has to do with images that reveal faces when they are when they are mirrored upon themselves. Mm-hmm. So when a, a photographic frame, one whole frame is is let's say mirrored along the left hand axis, then within that new composite form, it's clear to identify uh, a, a face of, a, of some kind of entity in, in, created out of the two, the two uh, images that are mirrored. Uh, it means that visual information is, being, is, is, is available to us that's revealed through this mirroring process, um, and it's produced in my photography. Uh, the, the, photo, the photos themselves, the origins of, the, of those events, have to do with the the characteristics of the human voice and the potential of the of the transmission of sound uh, from human speech. This is a subject uh, of deep study 
for in fact for thousands of years in South Asia. And so the tradition that I studied was yoga. And in yoga, there's a long legacy of understanding uh, about a science of mantra or how to enunciate and rich oral traditions uh, that communicated the science. The photos themselves contain iconographic information that point to uh, images of deities and uh, characteristics of multiple dimensions in our universe. Uh, there's images of uh, flying saucers with coronal uh, emissions and in the coronal ejecta there's faces with uh, that are that are communicating expressing waves of color and sound uh it's very intense imagery but it's it's really um, it's it's saying that it's 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 in it's it's uh, amplifying this idea that the, the human voice is rich in characteristics that can help us to mirror inner processes and understand the physiology, the spiritual physiology of the human body, uh, when a mantra is recited, the transmission occurs, waveforms um, can, can be recorded visually with cameras, and those waveforms tell us about characteristics uh, about, in a sense, it's almost like a diagnostic, but it tells us about what's happening inside of a person, the, the fundamental architecture of the uh, of the human body, which is sensitive to sound. The same architecture comes up in, in therapeutic practice because individuals who hear their messages say that they, when they hear the sounds of their voice play backwards, it uh, awakens feelings at certain locations in their body. And in the yoga physiology, those locations are considered to be focal points of energy and meridians. So they, the, those same characteristic points, which are called chakras, are referred to by clients in sessions. They say, I feel at this location, let's say at the heart chakra or in the center of my chest, I feel as if something is awakening within me. There's some light coming from that location when I listen to that special sound, when I hear the message played in reverse. So the the photographic catalog is, is helping people to feel a connection with cosmic processes that happen on a human scale. I'm not taking pictures of events deep in space, although some people feel that the photos look like something you might have seen through Hubble. In fact, these are happening. Uh, these events are happening close up. They're happening within the range of the lens uh, on a human scale. They tell us that phenomena that were reported by our Stone Age ancestors before you know any kind of recording technologies were available. Um, those, those same phenomena were happening in those days, and that people were reporting, and we know that they're the same because the icons in my photos are the archaic icons of the winged, uh, the winged orb and the flying serpent and all of that stuff, the Garuda and the Narsingha of, of South Asia. All those images uh, are ancient images, ancient archetypes, shamanic archetypes, but they're in my photo catalog today because. The, the world is rich in information and experience, and it's waiting for us to discover. We're, we, our voices are keys to unlocking experiences, powerful, powerful experiences, uh, spiritual insight, political understanding, uh, self-knowledge. It's, it's all happening from the voice. The, the photos, the, uh, the, the events are produced through the recital of mantra, and uh, I press the shutter when the mantra is sounded, and, and that's, you know, the different things that you see in the pictures are, are what are captured. And they're very beautiful. So, so, you know, it's very optimistic for us to say that, you know, uh, within us the potential to access, uh, you know, beauty of great liberating and awakening power and great creativity is, is, is within our grasp. We have the keys. We possess the keys to awaken and bring those experiences into our lives. If people want to uh, raise the vibration of their own personal experience, the voice has the potential to do that. Mm. Wow. Okay, I can understand why. <laughs> I can understand why um, there's very few people that do this. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot, this is very heavy stuff, uh, Jan. Uh, very, very impressed, and uh, it's not something that somebody can just go out there and bing learn. And uh, very impressed. You're uh, you're really into this, and and I asked you if there was a possibility of you doing me and that and Mercedes, but. Explain to the people the process that you go through. Um, from, I guess you got to record the person, then it takes you time to listen and play it back. So the possibilities wasn't possible to do this tonight. Um, so would you like to say the procedure that, let's say I came in knocking on your door and said, John, I would like to, you know, 
can you? Yeah. yeah. What would what would happen then? We'd get together. Typically, it's done by telephone, and there's several reasons why that is good. One is that people, uh, to get the unconscious to speak, to free up and to, and to feel safe and comfortable, sometimes distance is very helpful when there's no uh, sense of territory uh, being, uh, in any boundaries being uh, broken. When there's great distance between two people, it, it can facilitate a great ease and flow of communication. And what I'd, I brought with me, I brought a uh, clip from a session uh, this was a speaker who, this was done in person, but it was a very interesting session nonetheless. She wanted to talk about uh, obstacles to success in the present time, and she wanted to discover if there's any unconscious material that was inhibiting her today, you know, things from her past that were unresolved, mm-hmm. feelings that were unresolved, issues that were unresolved. She wanted to see if her speech could, could reveal that, and so we, I conducted an interview, and typically the interviews are around 10 minutes long. And here's a section from that interview. We can hear the client speaking about a childhood incident. Okay. How did that impact on your image of yourself as someone who was responsible and could take care of other people? Um, To be trusted with responsibility. Well, I I don't know how to verbalize it. Um, So what, what she's saying here is that uh, the, the context is that the story uh, she was crossing the street with her younger brother and she was holding his hand mm-hmm. and he broke free when they, they were crossing and he started to run and he was struck by a car and he died and this was oh. when she was about you know, seven, five year old very young children involved in this so I asked her how did you feel she's saying I, don't, I, you know, I can't really express myself she feels so stuck around this issue. And backwards is a very interesting message. I heard the words, better hang on to him. So the, the people who were holding hands, crossing the street, the memory of hold, hanging on, hanging on to her brother, but also the attachment, the attachment to the outcome of that event that was inhibiting her in the present, you could see that she, at some level she felt motivated to dwell on that experience. She said, I better hang on. I better stay in attachment. So this idea that we, we, our energies stay committed to events that are already over and we keep playing them out in our, our minds in deep places, the, those, those are like backwaters of energy reserves that we as adults need to draw upon. So when people are, are in a transition in their lives, they are uh, entering a new relationship, leaving an old relationship, starting a new career path, ending a career path. They're at a decision point in their life. That's a time to summon those resources to be able to propel us forward. There's great creativity. The, the inner child has tremendous creativity, but if those the child's resources are tied up in unresolvable problems, uh, you know, d- dead ends, we need we need as adults to bring that child in and have a communication, have an encounter resolve some of the questions in that child's mind, that inner child, and get that child on board as an ally to assist us as adults to be creative and to solve problems. Uh, the session audio, I mean, is, can be quite intense. It's not uncommon that people have catharsis in the first session just because of the, the audio stimulus. It's very powerful. It's very resonant. People, It awakens feelings, as I said earlier, at deep physiological locations, helping people to access the resources for change and creativity. People have very powerful and positive outcomes from the sessions, but the session itself is a journey. We may have to encounter difficult material in that journey to success. In other words, uh, no pain, no gain. It's, it's not necessarily the most comfortable thing. People might feel intimidated by the sense that they might have to, to deal with an uncomfortable issue even for a minute or less. But it's the power of making the commitment to ourselves to say, I love myself, I respect myself, I I." I see the value within me, and I'm willing to take the journey to realize, you know, my my highest potential. I I am willing to undertake that journey for the sake of my future and, and the people, the future of the people that I care about. They they're counting on me to be the best I can be. These messages provide a, an avenue where people can travel to make those kinds of discoveries. Yeah, I could it's understand. To you, it's like taking that first step anyway, because they kind of realize, I'm sure, that they're going to get to that point. So. I, I try to make a very compelling case that you know powerful things can happen in a session, 
and it helps people to evaluate the opportunity for themselves. You know, am I ready to open that doorway to to start to release some of that potential and deal with whatever processes and consequences will come from that decision? Those people who are who who are able to make that commitment to themselves are typically very successful in the sessions, and you know, sessions are extremely empowering. But certainly early in my practice, when I had less, I was less skilled in identifying some of the some of the inhibitors and obstacles that would come up for people in the course of doing sessions. There would be situations where people would get, you know, they'd get started on the process, start to initiate things. They would find it would be too much for them, and they wouldn't be able to complete, which obviously, you know, was not a successful outcome either for them or for myself. I'm, I'm, you know, if you if you're going to run, run a marathon, you, you don't want to stop halfway through the race. You want to go to completion. Uh, I, I think I've become I've become fairly good over the years at at helping people to identify the potential of the sessions and to make those make an informed decision before they they start dealing with uh, or bring you know summoning summoning up powerful issues that that may be challenging even for a short time. You're going to be you a, come to com- oh. hang on Ed. When you say come to completion, how long would you say, John, if someone comes to you and wants to start resolving it, personal issues until they come to a time where they can find answers to those things and be- begin to live them. How long is an average process? Well, I- I'm saying that uh, it's not uncommon that f- for people to-, to have a turnaround within the first 90 minutes. So in the first session, it's not uncommon for people to have a cathartic experience and to awaken oh, okay. to new information and make a discovery and to begin that process of change. Uh, it's very powerful. People say things like, um, you know, they have a session on the weekend and then they go to- back to work on Monday and, and a person approaches them in a social situation at the office, that's not uncommon, but it was, uh, let's say someone had the habit of putting them down, and the, mm-hmm. and the client was someone who was always would always just take it and never never respond to that. I remember a very funny story about someone who stood up out of their chair and just uh, told off somebody about their behavior in yeah. a totally uncharacteristic way, as if you know a, a fundamental shift in their personality had occurred, that they suddenly felt the strength and the confidence that they could they could uh, uh, challenge somebody on their behavior in, in in an area where they where they felt totally powerless in the past. It's a very deep shift in behavior and personality, and those kinds of shifts are are empowered by the sessions. This is a place where people can make those kinds of changes, those deep and uh, lasting, significant lasting changes. I mean, you know, uh, I can't tell you that this is the cure for cancer and every you know disease that will ever come. But certainly I've had cases where people had medical complaints, and mm-hmm. it wasn't uncommon, for example, where people had closed head injury from uh, automobile accidents. Okay. Those people are in long-term recovery. Uh, typically they're trying to recapture some of their, their capabilities, their pre-accident level of intelligence and, and uh, comprehension. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had someone complete a uh, complete uh, an advanced university degree what, after going through a recovery process for closed head injury and doing the session, and they attributed their ability to complete the degree on the on the uh, momentum that the session gave them. It wasn't just one session, but they felt that that they they felt uh, that they received tremendous momentum from from the sessions because they were so fundamental, and they liberated uh, core attributes that helped that person to even overcome uh, you know brain injury. And this again was someone who was very sensitive and and. Uh, Already had an advanced degree before their accident. Uh, they, they felt they said they felt slowed down after you know they they weren't as they were never as quick as they used to be. But that in terms of functionality, they were able to to summon those resources, bring them to play, to achieve a life goal, and and uh, they were very grateful. And uh, you know, so it's, it's very rewarding, in other words, to be a practitioner to be able to, to work with people who are succeeding in their sessions. It's a very um, it's indescribable the, the positive feeling. And of course, ultimately, when I see others. Um, achieving impossible successes uh, it tells me that in my own life those things that I've I said to myself that I could never achieve I would never overcome that I could be like them that I could I could be like those champions and overcome as well um, Mercedes um, there's a question John that came on the uh, on the chat board I'm going to leave Mercedes ask it right now go ahead Mercedes um, they wanted to know if what you do could help with um, blockages stemming from very nasty childhood abuse. So the answer to that is that is one of the most common um, areas that 
my clients are are involved in knowingly or unknowingly uh, that repressed trauma up to six decades in the past is is an inhibitor, and the messages will talk about that. So I've had seniors the mess- whose messages talked in the voice of a young child and described childhood experiences and help that person to reconnect with with moments from the past and the energies in the past to bring them to resolution. So these catharsis were, were resolving uh, uh, extreme uh, incidents of abuse that people suffered in childhood. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, a terrible, it's a terrible thing when our resources have been uh, uh, toned down and, and, and apparently cut off. A session like this can reconnect us with that, with that level of activity. And again, uh, that's a very difficult path to have to walk, to have to confront those feelings even temporarily, but the level of empowerment that's possible for someone who can resolve who can resolve those feelings uh, is is enormous, and we should, you know, we should have people empowered in our society to, who who are high, high, highly functioning and accessing resources for creativity, so that the people who count on them in their lives, these could be parents with children of their own, or or they could be employers with employees looking to them for answers. When their level of functionality is restored to its optimal level, you know, they're going to be making a positive contribution to all the people in their lives. Now, John, you're going to be at the Burlington, Wisconsin conference, October 31st, November 1st and 2nd. Correct? Yes. Yeah, I'll be You're going to be there as a speaker. Um, can people and listeners, you could go to the Unexplained World at wordshanahan.com or uh, hauntedhistoriclocations.com and you know find the link to the conference. It's going to be very big. Um, is can people after their if while you're up there, can they come up to you and, you know, possibly have a, a sample done with them there or anything like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on site for a couple of days, and uh, there'll be a booth, and uh, I'll be available to meet meet and greet the public and, and talk to answer questions, to do small demonstrations. Um, I'll probably be advising people that, you know, that they should consider uh, doing the sessions by telephone after the conference, but... You know, I, I think it's a, it's a great chance for people who are curious to get access to information. I'm going to bring lots of information and lots of demonstration material to help people really feel like they're participating in the experience and, and to be able to make an evaluation of their own. Uh, this is definitely something people should have should take a close look at. Uh, people who are looking for answers, people who felt you know uh, thwarted in the past in their efforts to find information. I've had people who said that hypnosis yielded nothing, no results through hypnosis, but they had clear messages that were that were meaningful. Uh, so it's just quite a quite a rudimental shift, you know, f- uh, for people who have been, uh, you know, see- seeking answers in different dimensions of their lives. I'm saying that there are answers available, that there is a method, uh, and that my practice has been successful in, in getting real information for real people. Yeah, it's uh, you almost have to, you know, want to do this because of, when we when I asked you and you were gonna, you said, well, you got a session here, and it's like. Oh, I hope it's not nothing from the radio show, <laughs> you know, from the past broadcast of ours. It was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> and that's, it, you it's, cha- it's challenging in the mind. But, I mean, we live in an era, I mean, it's it's kind of also, you know, the horse is already out of the gate. We live in an era now. We live in the surveillance era. I mean, we we might as well expect that everything we say, do, think, feel, and smell, and touch is, is being recorded somewhere. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, we have, you know, if, if a person is in, in the United Kingdom, you know, it's one of the most watched societies in the world, we're hmm. living in that time right now, and you know we need we need to uh, have some re- level of you know self reflection in our lives. It's healthy for us. I don't think we need to be big brothered, you know, to death. But uh, self reflection is, is is very useful. And and uh, when we start to when we start to take a you know a look a look at ourselves from a positive place, uh, we become empowered to challenge challenge the most intense issues, the things that have bothered us the most that we felt unable to do anything about that's that in that time we, we feel the power to do that and you know it, it's something again that takes time it's people who know when it's the time is right the right for them i can't say everyone should just you know just start doing this and drop everything else it's it's something that people will come to in, in their own way but uh there's certainly a great level of interest in it i mean i've had um many many clients over the last 10 years uh since i've been doing this so from all walks of life with all sorts of different questions uh, I, th- I think the majority of the sessions were very meaningful and useful. And so if people are feeling curious, you know, if the sounds of the messages stimulate something in you, I mean, it's not uncommon for people to say they get spine shivering. 
hair raising, you know, tingling sensations, all these sort of autonomic nervous functions kick in when they hear this, these backward sounds. Those people have a great sensitivity to this, and, and they could use this in a positive way to help themselves. Oh, just listening to the woman speak who was talking about not holding her brother's hand. Oh, I was choking up in the throat and the hairs on the back of my neck and my shoulders. Oh, the whole gamut. And I had to sit down thinking, you know, I get what he's talking about. <laughs> That's not even my re- my reading, you know. John, we got a, we got a question from one of the um, chatters. Mercedes, go ahead. Um, they said they remember when they were a child, people playing the LPs backwards and having satanic messages, and they wanted to know if that was the same thing that you're doing. I understand. That's a very uh, well-known subject, uh, backwards message in rock and roll and about Satan, Lucifer, and all these kinds of different things, which <coughs> sort of is, it has, it has two answers. The first answer is that it wasn't uncommon at one time in, in the recording industry for uh, people to jazz up their, their albums with extra sounds that they could dub in in the studio. So a track could be laid down and a second track could be laid down over top of that with uh, that that had already had reverse sounds, and they were comical, you know, messages or just nonsense oh. messages. Yeah. But 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 there's other material that's uh, natural that's naturally occurring that wasn't contrived by the producers. But that is actual. There are natural messages, and in that body of work, you know, even like Dennis Rader is talking about a demon. There are backwards messages about negative entities and negative energies and things like that. Those things exist, and, and some of that we hear in rock and roll. That's true. There's no doubt. But as to whether or not, you know, for for each individual, I mean, you know, those that sort of raises religious questions. Is it psychology or is it religion? And, you know, when I'm talking about it here in this forum, I, I'm not preaching. I'm not saying that I'm not talking about these messages in a preaching sense. I'm talking about them as as psychological forces that that are you know uh, the demons Dennis Rader's demons were psychological forces that he struggled with and we all know we all know the consequences of that struggle the outcome of that struggle mm-hmm. uh, the language the language of backwards messages is rich in icon archetype symbol and so it's important it's important to take care good care while we do this kind of analysis to you know that we ask questions we don't just we don't just reach conclusions, but we ask meaningful questions about what it is that we're studying and observing. Uh, it's through the question asking process that I identified Raider as the BTK killer because I uh, it, when I saw Raider talking about demons and possession, I immediately raised the question: Should I should I be look should I be searching researching BTK as a as a demonic possession subject? And it turned out that was a a very good line of inquiry because it turns out he felt that he was. John, I got we got. Let me jump in here for a second and okay. now we got seven minutes. Uh, I got to make one or two announcements. Okay, one announcement Yo. basically. Okay. Uh, this coming Friday night, September twelfth, Annette and I will be doing readings at the Weathermark, right outside of downtown Chicago, from eight p.m. to one a.m. in the morning. Uh, Annette reading. Annette's readings will be Annette. Tell the listeners what you'll be doing. Um, I'll be throwing rune stones for past life readings, um, and also have my tarot cards with me. So it gives an idea of what past life things that you may or may not have accomplished, things that you're still working on in this lifetime, and how we can work together to come up with a, a strategy for using those past experiences and relationships to bring you to a better conclusion for today. Okay, and my readings will be the palm. It will be psychometry one-on-one where I put your hand between both of mine and I try to pick up the messages inside of you and you as an individual and the little child inside of you. And then from there, if you bring an item of a loved one who's passed away, I will attempt to do the conscious channeling with that item. Okay, we'll be there, as I said, from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., the Weathermark is a great place. It's right outside of downtown Chicago. They call it the South Loop. The Weathermark is located at 1503 South Michigan Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, right outside, like I said, uh, downtown, right on Michigan Avenue. And um, great food there, great people, really nice people, real nice area. Then comes September 21st or 20th, the 21st is sold out. I'm with the Historical Park District, Historical Museum out of Worth. We're running a tour 
that include the areas of the southwest side, the haunted locations, the, the history of it, and then the paranormal history. Let's go to the website, hauntedhistoriclocations.com or edwardshanahan.com. John, your website again for the listeners. You can find me online at yourinnervoice.com, yourinnervoice.com. And uh, if you're interested in finding out more about sessions, if you want to call my toll-free number, you can also call one 453 751 That's 1-888-453-0751. Okay. Do you know what day you're going to be speaking in Wisconsin? Do you know what day? I think I'm scheduled on the uh, the Friday and the Saturday. Okay. Uh, those are my two slots. And you will also have a table there for people to come up, meet and greet you, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I'll be on site. I'll, I'll be on site for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll be going out to the haunted woods. I'll be sharing and photo taking, and have lots of chances for uh, you know coffee talks and all those kinds of uh, great conversations and energies that'll happen when we all get together. Well, I'd like to meet you. I guess I'm going to be uh, one of the people taking people out there to the haunted woods uh, with Marionette. So. Um, we got to cross paths. That you know, I'll be up there the three days also. So, That'll be excellent. Yeah, Annette, you had a question you wanted to ask. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think this is kind of important. Um, when someone is speaking and there are backwards messages in their speech, when others perceive what they're saying subconsciously, are they picking up those messages in the background? Yeah, we, we we can we can measure uh, that communications happening between two speakers, and we can see themes that emerge backwards from one speaker can erupt in the forward speech of the second speaker during the time of a conversation. Okay. So we can see that we can see the exchange information, a meaningful exchange information occurs between speakers uh, that the that the the unconscious is is doing the encoding and decoding. And that the messages are are are, make, are successfully <laughs> transmitting to the point where even the receiver, the unconscious message, will speak the, speak those words forwards consciously. Uh, the, the signals are very robust. I mean, they they're they're going against the arrow of time and our whole concept of what speech communications really means. Uh, they're, they're happening. We can identify them. And we can we can also verify the information in the messages. It's not just that we agree that we heard someone say something, but it becomes a matter of fact. The things that they said become the truth, and that uh, that is ultimately, I guess, you know, what, what we're all what we're all seeking is some is some sort of truth in our lives. Yes. Wow. John, thank you very much. We've got two minutes left. I want to say thank you for being a guest. I will see you in October. And yeah. um, The listeners can contact you by your website or call you at the number you gave. And uh, listeners, you also go here to rebroadcast anytime now. Uh, and that, thank you very much for being here again tonight. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the questions, you're a great guest, John. Mercedes, thank you. Oh, for, thank uh, you. Thank you, John. Nice to be with all of you. Thank you for having me on your show. Much appreciated. Thank you, listeners. And we'll be back in two weeks. John, thank you very much. Annette, I'll be giving you a call. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. Let's see.